Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Well, it is great to have you guys here today. And as we do a brand new series, starting a brand new series today, uh, I look forward to what God is going to say to you and what God is going to say to me over the next five weeks, because we are going to be discussing this one word on the screen, why. Turn your name and say, why? I had somebody ask me this past week, why do you have us turn to each other and talk? I said, just to make sure you're awake. So make sure you're with me. Um, how many guys, by a show of hands, have ever asked why? 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 Anybody ever ask why? Yeah, we hopefully have our hands up in the house, okay? Um, we ask often questions why. Uh, this series is specifically why to God. Questions of what we would ask to God. Uh, things like, why did you not answer my prayer? I don't know if you ever thought about that. Why didn't you heal my loved one? Why didn't you let me date that handsome boy or that beautiful girl? You know, Garth Brooks, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? But why? Why am I here? Here's the one we're going to talk about, and it's going to be one of my favorite ones. Why isn't God fair? Why does it seem like sometimes God's just not fair? It seems like the, the people who do bad get blessed with more, and the people who do good get hit with bad things. Why isn't God fair? So we're going to be discussing over the next several weeks different whys uh, that we've all had and maybe struggled with, and I'm going to do my best with the power of the Holy Spirit just to speak to you and just allow the Holy Spirit to encourage your life through the Why series. Today is going to launch us off into it, and I felt like this was a starting point that we had to get to, because if you don't understand this why today, you won't really get the rest of them, okay? Today I want to talk to you about why would God love me? Why would God love me? Ever asked that question? Ever wondered that? Ever thought about why God would love me? I've thought about it quite often. I've thought about it in my own personal life. Why would God not just love me, but care for me? Why would God be there for me? I know me, and I sometimes don't want to be with me. But God still loves me. There's a story of a, of a young girl who's engaged to this man. And uh, she wasn't feeling it, so she broke off the engagement. A little while later, she was thought, you know, I need to get back with this guy. So she wrote a letter. She said, dear John, I just want to tell you how sorry I am for breaking your heart and breaking off the engagement. I was a fool. Please forgive me. Please give me another chance. I love you. You're the only one for me. I can't think of anyone else in this world that I want to be with than you. So please forgive me, John, and let's get married. Love, Belinda, XOXOXOXO. Then the very bottom, she put, P.S., congratulations on winning the $2 million lottery jackpot. Wow, guess what? Belinda had a change of heart. Two million reasons why she loved John, right? And so often in life, that's kind of the way we handle love. We as humans handle love as what do I get in exchange for the gift, for the giving of love? Uh, it's a very much a two-way street when it comes to love. 
Because as human beings, we are created with this desire to be loved, but also we want to give love. And sometimes we give love, but we don't receive love. And today I want to talk with you about why God would love me. And I want to start with the first point. If you have your notes, write this down. The first thing, the reason why I ask this is because why would God love one, someone as bad as me? That's what I think. Why would God love someone as bad as I am? I know my faults. I know my failures. I know my shortcomings. I know the things that I've done that has hurt the very heart of God. I know the things I've done that has hurt the people I love. Much more how it's hurt the heart of God. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, I wish I could go back and remember the first time that I did something bad. But the fact is, I've been bad a lot. I can't go back that far and think through that many scenarios. But I have one. I have one story that I know for sure was a bad thing that I did a lot when I was a kid. My mom would always have in her kitchen a special little area that she told me I could not be a part of, I could not touch. Only she could touch, only she could regulate, only she could divvy out what was there. And I couldn't stand that. Because why? I wanted what was there. I wanted what was contained in that item. And I remember many times thinking, I'll just go get it. Don't care what mom says. That special little item, that thing that still to this day glows in my mind of memories is the beautiful thing known as the cookie jar. The cookie jar. This is my, this is my actual cookie jar from when I was a kid. Cookie Monster is my favorite Sesame Street character because he loves cookies like I love cookies. I love cookies. I mean, seriously, it, in our world today, I could marry them because it's, all, it's perfectly okay. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. But she'll test to it. I do. I love cookies. And when I was a kid, I loved cookies. And mom would say, you can't have any cookies, Kevin. And that just made me want what? More cookies. And I remember when I was a kid, I'd take my little chubby fingers, and I was really short, and I'd have to, you know, barely get it up, and I'd, get, and I'd make that noise, and, Kevin! Get out of that cookie jar! Well, I learned over time I could beat the system. Because I knew if I wanted a cookie bad enough, I could make it without any noise. So I, see if I can do it. I would take and I'd come up his body like this. Let me get that going. And I'd get in there and get my little chubby hand. I give me cookies. I set them off the side. And then you, here's the trick right here. You just have to be very. And then I'd scurry my chubby little legs off to my room and sit like a feral child. <laughs> But I remember distinctly Cookie Monster, my tempter in my home, that I could not control. I wanted a cookie, but I knew it was absolutely directly disobedient to my mother and to my father because I was doing something I shouldn't have done. And all of us have done that. All of us have been in disobedience. All of us have done things we shouldn't. Maybe it, was, uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily cookies or it was something else. Maybe it was something deeper than that. Uh, maybe it was stealing from someplace, or maybe it was uh, being a part of a, of, a, of a group that did things, smoked and drank and partied and did illegal things and all that kind of stuff. We all have these things 
that kind of come in about how bad we are. Hey, listen, the fact is I'm bad. You know it. I'm bad. But here's the deal. We all were bad. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Paul was bad and Job thought he was bad. Job said this, my ears have heard of you, but now that I, my eyes have seen you, it says this, it says, I, am dis- I despise myself. I can't believe how filthy I am. Job, who was known as a righteous man, thought he was really bad. Paul, who killed people, who killed Christians in the name of God, in the name of Jehovah, he said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. Why was he, did he think he was the least? Because he did such bad things. He didn't consider himself very good. These insecurities work in all of our lives because why we feel very bad. Point number two, back to what I was saying. Why would God love someone as insignificant as me? So not only am I bad, but I feel insignificant. There are 8 billion people on this planet. 8 billion. 8 billion people that do different things at different times. And some of them you sit by and some of them you know, and you look at their life and you go, wow, they're really making a difference. I feel pretty insignificant. Believe, it's crazy to think that with 8 billion people on the planet, through natural disasters, through hurricanes, through earthquakes and tornadoes and, uh, and famines and poverty and epidemics and pandemics. It's hard to believe that God would even recognize or acknowledge I'm alive. Eight billion people, all the tragedy, all the things that are going on, and yet God somehow sees our significance. And this is where Moses and David comes in. Moses like, who am I? I have nothing to bring to the table. David was like, Listen, I don't even know who I am. I don't have any people following me. I'm pretty insignificant. But the fact is, we all have significance somewhere in God. We all feel insignificant. 1 John 4, 8, what is God? What is God? 1 John 1, 8, what is God? God is what? God is love. Understand this. It's not, it's not what he does. Love is what we do. We love people. We, we love people. But love is not what God does. Love is who he is. The very essence, the very character of everything that he is, he is love. Verse 9, it says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. What's love? This is love. Not that we loved God, but what? But that God loved us. And he sent his son as atoning sacrifice for us. Before we ever were, before we ever took our first breath, before we were ever created, before we ever thought about, God has always been and will always be love. For God so loved the world. Who's in the world? I'm in the world. But I feel insignificant in the world. That doesn't change the fact that God is love. I was thinking about this, and, and uh, who does God love? Who does God love? Let me give you some of the ABCs of who God loves. Here's A. Who does God love? 
God loves artists, astronauts, aerospace engineers, accordion players, uh, airplane pilots, athletes, acrobats, accountants, especially during tax season. Uh, God loves people from Alabama, Alaska, Africa, Atlanta. God loves, listen, absent-minded people, awkward people, assertive people, authoritative people, antisocial people, and even aggravating people. God loves them. Uh, God loves all the A's that you can put in there. God loves them all. B's. Let's go through some B's. God loves babies. One there. Uh, Boys, bankers, band leaders, ballerinas, Bible readers, biology teachers, bird watchers, bus drivers, bookworms, bachelor, bachelors, bachelorettes, uh, botanists, bowlers, baby boomers, beekeepers, blondes, brunettes, and even people with blue hair. You know who you are. God loves bosses, braggers, bag ladies, bartenders, brats, people with braces, <laughs> Bushmen, and even Baptist. God loves you. God even loves Britney Spears, even though she did it again. I love them. C's. There's a lot more C's. God loves children, Cubans, Caucasians, chiefs, uh, Californians, Cambodians, Cherokees, Chickasaw. God loves uh, celebrities, cops, clowns, cheesecake. I don't know why that's in there. Uh, comedians. Uh, and God loves even those who love cats. God loves Catholics, Charismatics, Congregationalists, Congressmen, God has to, uh, crooks, creeps, cheaters, uh, charlatans. Uh, God loves people who listen to country music. <laughs> you get the point. I go on and go on, but the fact is God loves us all even despite our bad and even despite our insignificance, God sees us and God loves us, which leads me to number three, God's love covers all of our sins. God's love covers all our sins. And those of you who've been covered and forgiven of sin say, thank you, Jesus, right? Thank you that he forgives us. He takes care of us. First Peter 4.8 tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. Over and over again, God's love transforms us and makes us new. Over and over again, God's love navigates us through difficult and challenging times. Way back in the book of Genesis, uh, you all have heard of the story of Adam and Eve, I'm sure. Uh, Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman created by God, put in this perfect uh, place of, of unity and harmony and beauty, uh, didn't have to work or toil for anything. And Adam and Eve became discontent with their status. They believed there was something more. They believed the idea that we all fall for and that there's got to be more, something else that we can kind of uh, go and explore. So as the story goes on, there was a tempter and the tempter tempted Eve and Adam and they partake and they ate of the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And all of a sudden they realized that they were completely without clothing and completely laid bare. And what happened? Shame set in, okay? And when shame came into the picture, when shame entered into the soul of humanity, it began the decay of love. 
because it began to convince humanity that in order to be loved, you have to do something. You have to fix it. And this is what we have had in our life ever since the beginning of time, ever since Adam and Eve. We have believed that because we sin or because we fall short, we have to fix it. I have to make it right. I have to have penitence. Let me do certain things. Let me act a certain way. Let me behave a certain thing. And then God will, will love me again and he'll look down upon me and he'll, he'll be okay with me. And yet, so far from the truth. Because the rest of the story goes like this. And this is not something that a lot of people talk about, but understand as I go through, I'm gonna give you some theological foundation for why God did what he did in the garden. So Adam and Eve sin, shame comes in, and they're completely embarrassed and completely uh, feels like they have to do something. So what did they do? They hide. The only, the only response they had was to hide, and I find it comical, from God. It's comical. So they hide. God discovers and already knew what they did. He already knew what had happened. God already knew it. God comes to them and says in the cool of the night, and he calls out, and Adam says, I was hiding because I was ashamed. And God immediately started speaking to the soul of humanity that shame that binds us all, that holds us captive. And so what did God do? God didn't say, okay, Adam, this is what you're gonna do. No, God never gave Adam instructions. You know what God did? God went and found an animal. He sacrificed and he covered Adam and Eve with the clothing, with the skin of the animal to say, your shame will be no more because I have taken care of it. Now, fast forward. 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus. And we walked in this world and humanity lived in this place of complete and total shame. But God so loved that he said, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to live right. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to say the right thing. You don't have to do the right thing. You just have to be. And I will send your covering through my son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus died upon the cross and his, his blood that came from the cross covers all of our sin. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how bad you think you've been. His blood not just covers, but wipes it whiter than snow, completely clean, sin forgiven and gone. Why? Because God took care of our sin problem through the cross of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we can say all day, I'm bad. And yes, we know it. I'm insignificant. I feel that way. My sin is completely separating me from God. But God says, no, I took care of your sin problem. I covered it. For God so loved the world. For God so loved Kevin. For God so loved Chelsea. For God so loved Matthew. For God so loved Michelle. For God so loved, insert your name here. For God so loved you 
that you had value and you had significance far before you ever knew it, which leads to number four. It's God's love that makes us significant and worthwhile. John 31, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31, verse three. It says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. God is drawing you today. God is calling out to you today. Why? Because he loves you. He cares for you. Some of you came here today thinking you just came to church to check it off your list for the week. God brought you here today to remind you he loves you more than you ever can know. He cares for you right where you're at. He doesn't want you to become a human doing. You are a human being. You are and God made a way. There's a story in Luke chapter 15 about a widow, or about a widow that's looking for a coin. She lost a coin and she tears her house up. She looks all over for one little coin. Why is it so important to find one little coin? Because one little coin was significant in her economy. Story goes on to set. Another parable talks about how if one sheep is lost and there's 99 still there, that God will leave the 99 to go find the one. Why? Because one sheep matters to the heart of God. Middle school dances were always hard for me. Um, you go to a middle school dance and there's this pressure. You got to dance with a girl. You got to slow dance with a girl. Oh my. I remember before going to middle school dances though, it made me really nervous if I would go in there and I had this girl, I had a, my eyes set on and I, and, and I would be like, there's no way I'm going to go ask her to dance with me because of fear of rejection. I'm like, I, I'm not gonna put it out there and then get made fun of, no, no, no. So what I would do, and I'm sure some of you have done before, I would do the research and development before the dance. I would start putting out little, little feelers. Hey, buddy, would you go ask her friend if she likes me? Because you couldn't go directly. You couldn't even send your buddy directly to her because he might hit on her and take her from you truth. She went to her best friend, the gatekeeper. And you would start doing your research, start finding out what's going on. And then, it, I mean, if it got back to you that, yeah, she's interested, you're like, hot dog, slow dance is coming at the dance, right? And you, you were not, I mean, I didn't have no fear, man. I walk up and say, hey, baby, what's going on? You want to slow dance? Huh? Oh, you're so cute. Thank you. Come on, baby. Why? I had confidence. I knew her position towards me. Listen. We can, we can approach the throne of grace today because we know God's position for us. It's a position of love. It's a position that said, before the world was created, our Jesus Christ was being slain for us. God did his research and development long before we ever were, and he proves this. I love you with an everlasting love, and I'm drawing you with my loving kindness. Come. Wait a minute, God, I'm bad. I failed, I falter. 
I have bad thoughts. I have bad actions. I say things I shouldn't say. I've hurt people around me that I love very deeply. I don't deserve your love. God, here's what God does. God doesn't even pay attention to your excuses. All he says, um, hey, you see the cross? I've already proven my love for you. Just come, just as you are. All of your failures, all your shortcomings, all the things that you falter at, all the ugliness of our life, bring it to me. I'll take it. I gave my son, I gave the greatest thing I had for you to prove my love for you. All I ask you to do is come and know I love you right where you are. But I will not leave you where you are. For I have a better future than you can ever imagine. Bow your heads with me today. Father God, help us today. Help us today, God. God, we need you. We need you to teach us over and over over again what it means to be loved. We need you, God, to help guide and direct us when we get distracted by doing, when we get pressure to behave, to become something we're not, God. You have to remind us we are created by you, for you, loved by you, God. But God, it's really hard. And if we're being honest today, some of us in this room don't feel real loved. We feel like a failure. We feel like we're, we're just bad and we're unredeemable. Some of us feel like we're so far. There's no way, God, you could ever love me condition I am. I'm here, God, I, I, I just want them to hear this. Hear me today. You have not gone too far. You have not done enough. You cannot run from God. God ran to you. God proved his love for you. He's proven his love for you. All he asked you to do is come, come. Say, what does that mean? That means just bring everything, all the yuck, all the gross, all the, all the dirty, all the disgusting things, bring it all to him and just say, here it is. Here I am. I don't know why you would love me. I'm amazed that you do. So I ask you, take the bad, take the insecurities, take the insignificance that I feel and I bring it to your feet and I lay it at your feet and I say, God, forgive me. With head bowed, eyes closed today, you need the forgiveness of God. In the next few moments of time, as we sing this song, I want you just to hear these words wash over you. You need the forgiveness of God. You need the redemption of God. You need God to come right there. He's here today for you to prove his love to you. Why would God love you? God loves you because you are significant. God loves you because you are worthy. God loves you because his son died for you to have eternal life. I can't.
fail, when we fall short, God, when we feel insignificant and insecure, we are yours. And sometimes, God, the world uh, kind of clouds that, kind of makes us be, do, become human doings, not human beings. And God, we get caught up in that even with our relationship with you. But God, I pray right now that we're reminded every day that we are yours. Just want to do this for you. Head bowed, eyes closed all across this place. I don't always do this, but feel very pressed to do this today. Today you're here and maybe you just feel so far from God. In fact, maybe you feel like you have done so much and so many bad things that you just can't get back with God. You, you can never connect back with God. And I just want you to understand this today. This is what I preach today. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing... You cannot be good enough. You cannot act right enough. You can't, you can't do enough good works for people. You can't live good enough. There's nothing you can do. God took care of it upon the cross. And today, today, this may be your day. Today, you need to surrender your life to God. And not only do you surrender your life, you need to, the only thing you can do right here, right now, is just say, God, here I am. Forgive me. I know you love me. I believe you love me because you love me. I want to love you back. I want to give my life to you. You're here today. You want to give your life to God right there where you're at, surrendering everything, all the past, all the yuck, all the things in the past, just coming to him and just trusting, just trusting that he's forgiving, trusting that he loves you, trusting he's there for you. If that's you right there where you're at, will you bow your heads? And I want you to do me a favor. I want you just to slip your hand up right, real quietly right there where you're at. I want to pray for you before you go. Hands going up. Any hands? There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Any other hands going up? Thank you very much. God, if you have your hand raised, just say, God, here I am, just as I am. All the things that you know already, I ask you to forgive me. I believe, say this, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he gave his life for me. And that is because you love me. And I want to know that love. So Jesus, come into my life. Help me to walk with you every day. Help me to live for you. And just as the song said, your love has come down. And that love sets me free. I need your freedom. I need your love, God. So God, I pray that you touch those hands that were raised, touch those lives. And all of us in this room, God, this week, would you remind us, God, your amazing love for us, that you came to set us free because we are yours. Can we sing, I am yours, I am yours? And just the love came down before we take off today. Let's sing, I am yours, I
You've been listening to a ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.